short off of our text. I'm going to read it kind of quick. We read this last week, but um, I want to go to Ephesians 5 and 21. This is probably the greatest scriptures in all of scripture for, for the family, the marriage. And, and I want to run right on into this, but I want to talk about learning how to fight today. But let's look at it. It says, wives, he says, be submissive to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head and Savior of the church, which is his body. But as the church submits to Christ, so let the wives also be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And that he might present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But he should be holy and without blemish. In this way, men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord cares for the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, he says, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May God add his blessings uh, and anointing to this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you a question. How do you talk to your spouse today versus how you talked when you were dating? And it just got real quiet. Huh? And y'all remember when you were dating? You just got on the phone and just heard each other breathe. Come on now. Come on. Now, now, some of y'all are old enough to remember it wasn't no touch tone deal. You had to get on the rotary dial phone. Huh? Right? And some of y'all had to call the switchboard. <laughs> but anyway, but, but, but I remember, man, and you had to check in. As, now, see, we didn't have, young people now, you think you got it hard? We had to date without cell phones. Huh? There wasn't no, you know, hey, boo-boo, I love you so much. It wasn't a text all through history class. It was, you know, it wasn't a beautiful picture or, or some over-the-top picture. It wasn't none of that. I mean, it was, um, you know, we had pagers at best, and it might have just looked down and said, hello, baby. <laughs> and, you, and your heart just started, you know, because that's how we talked to each other when we were dating. I can remember as a junior in high school slipping out the window of my house and walking about three-quarters of a mile to a payphone, putting in some, uh, I think it was a dime back then. I don't remember, but I, anyway, and dialing that number and hoping Kelly's mama didn't answer the phone. Huh? Because it's already about 1130 at night. And, and, you know, you would stand there at the payphone for an hour as if it was nothing. Huh? Don't you remember that? And that's how we talked to each other back then. And, you know, you, you never knew who to, I, nobody wanted to hang up first. I love you, baby. Good night. And it, sweet dreams, sweet dreams to you. Oh, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. I just love you so much, baby, teddy bear, whatever. And then, have you ever fell asleep on the phone? Uh I, I fell asleep on the phone, you know, and then Kelly got me in school the next day. You fell asleep, you know, and uh, anyway. So, but that's how we talked back then. And now, you know, you talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, I need you to pick up some bacon and eggs from Walmart. 
Hey, and don't forget the milk and the pepperoni or whatever. And, and we kind of lost that little sugar bear talk. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I want you to know that every couple fights. I want you to know that in every marriage, the new wears off. And it is up to you to keep the fire burning. It is up to you, brothers, to keep the fire going. Uh, ladies, it's up to you to keep the fire going. So uh, all couples fight. Here's the difference. Uh, uh, good couples fight clean. Are you with me? Say amen. Uh, healthy couples fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Uh, John Gottman studied marriage for 16 years, and he said he could watch a fight of a couple for five minutes. Now, I want you to understand this. It didn't matter if they're healthy or unhealthy. All couples fight. He said, I could watch them fight for five minutes and with great, great accuracy, 91% accuracy, predict whether their marriage will survive or if they'll end in divorce. He said, not if they fight, but I'm just going to watch them how they fight. So you've you got to understand, communication is a big deal. A hundred mental health professionals found that communications problems was cited among the most common factor that leads to divorce. 65% said there's a communication problem somewhere. Now, in leadership, we have those same thing. It, it bleeds over into that. So we talk about communicating and how we are to do that effectively. 43% said conflict resolution. So you've got a communication problem and then conflict resolution. And those are big problems, 65% and 43%. And I would submit to you that the conflict resolution is a result of not communicating properly. So let me, let me go a little bit further with you and say that a survey found uh, that men and women have different communication complaints. 97% of happy couples, 97% said we are satisfied with our talking, our communication. And 55% of unhappy said we are not satisfied with our communication skills. And so then that leads me to ask, uh, you know, what's the deal with communication? Here it is. 70% of experts surveyed said that men cite the following, nagging and complaining as the top communication problem in their marriage. The ladies, remember to hold on. Now, I'm not going to leave you out of here. I'm gonna, uh, we, we, you know, we, we're going to have, you know, that jab, and then we're going to have that hook. So we'll, we'll get there. Women's top complaint was that their spouse doesn't validate their opinions or their feelings. Are you with me? Say amen. You know what the Bible says? I, I wrote down a few scriptures because, I, you know, anytime God says something more than once, he really wants you to pay attention to it. So, so, so here we go. So I, I'm going to say this first. I've got to soften things up. Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. There's another scripture that says, He who hath a, a, a good wife hath found favor of the Lord. Now, watch this now. Uh, or here it is, Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife uh, what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now, here we go. Now, this is going to sting a little bit, but y'all stay with me. Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is like a dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. 
Let's read Proverbs 21, 19. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Oh, Lord. Proverbs 21, 9. Better to live in a corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 25 and 24. Better to live in a corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 26, 21. A charcoal to embers and uh, as, wo is, as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for the kindling of strife. Ladies, I said that to say this. I didn't write the book. I'm just saying it. <laughs> I didn't write it. It's just my place. There's something about quarreling women that man, the, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, and he had 700 wives. He ought to know. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He said, it's just, and 70% and said it's a quarreling and a nagging. Now, brothers, again, here comes the hook, so we're going to get you too. But um, um, you see, we are, brothers, you got to understand this. Women talk, proven fact, three times more than we do. We use one-third of the words that women use during the day. Proven fact. Are you with me? Say amen. Some of y'all saying, oh, me, and what, I don't know. So that means when we go to work, so basically you sleep eight hours, you work eight hours, and then you have some time at home. So by the time we sleep, okay, then we go to work, and we've said our third. <laughs> huh? We get home, we just want peace and quiet. Well, while she was at home on the telephone or at work, she's only said her third. She's still got two-thirds to go. And guess who's got to listen to it? You and me. Amen. And you know how she wants us to listen? N not while we're watching Monday Night Football. Not while we're watching, you know, this or that or the other. She wants some of our undivided attention, so we have to pursue her with words. We are going to fight. You know that. So just go ahead and know that men use less words. But sometimes we pick some harsh ones. We make our few count. <laughs> Are you with me? So, so let me ask you this. Knowing what, what I've said to you, uh, how is it that, uh, how are we going to get through life with somebody that speaks, you know, uh, two-thirds and we speak one-third, and we know that communication is a problem. How do you talk to each other now versus how you talk when you were dating? I want to give you a suggestion. Change your mouth and it will change your marriage. Hello? Now, for at first, these women are going to leave out of here for the next three or four days, and you try to change your mouth, brother. They say, you're just sucking up. You're just trying to get into bed. Hey, y'all with me? I, I meant to put a rating on these uh, messages. Anyway, but change your mouth and change your marriage. Now, I want you to understand something. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, in Ephesians 4 and 29, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the building up. Does all of your arguments build up the other spouse? I'm just asking you. I didn't think so. I, I'm in that same boat with you sometime. I, I'm not looking down on you. I'm just hanging with you. But, but only that which is for the building up, that it may give grace to the listeners. Now, I, you know, after studying, I learned something that that word unwholesome there and in that time and day was in that context in which it was written was speaking about spoiled fish, rotted fish. Now, in other words, stinking words. 
And, and think about this. I have a fish aquarium at home and in my office. And when one of them dies, I don't let them just hang around. Huh? If I see it, I want to go ahead and scoop them up and take them to the commode, hello, and make them a missionary, you know, at the city lift station or wherever they're going. Huh? And I have occasionally sent some missionaries that hadn't expired yet. They were just tearing up stuff. So anyway, but no unwholesome communication. So what is unwholesome? It, 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 he's speaking of rotted and dead fish. So let me talk with you about how we fight. I want to do a little analogy right now and talk about some fish. And, and there's a fish called a shark. You and I know about sharks because we live right here at the ocean. And a shark will get you, man. Huh? Y'all ever been swimming and look around? You see that fin? You don't know if it's a dolphin or a shark? And, ah, man, you're trying to get out of here. Asking for a life ring and a helicopter and everything. You know why? Because a shark will leave you bleeding. And some of us fight our spouses with shark mouth. I mean, we just come by, yank. We take half their arm off. Huh? We just come by and we just put blood in the water, man. And, and, and that's the way we fight, like a shark, and it's terrible. And then there's another uh, fish that I love to eat, and it's called a catfish. But catfish are bottom dwellers. And you know what they do? They scurry around the bottom, and they stir up things that's been covered for a long time. And there are husbands and wives that speak to each other, and all they do is keep on running down to the bottom of, you know, way back when, and they dig that up, and they stir that up, and they chew on that a little while. They can't never forget how you used to be. They can't never forget what you once did. Are y'all hearing me? It's getting real quiet in here. I don't know if it's, you know, but they're bottom feeders, and they're sort of digging up. And then there's that angler fish. I just learned about this guy, and this is the guy that just loves to sit in the dark, dark recesses of maybe a cave or, you know, there's not much light, and he has this little little, little antenna, that, uh, and it sort of flicks, and, and it almost pretends to be some kind of bait, and all these other fish start running to it thinking they're about to eat, and all of a sudden he, whoop, got them. And there are those spouses, men and women alike, that you'll throw out a few things, maybe a few kind words, but it ain't like you really mean it. You're just baiting them in. Come on in. Let me get you this far right here, and I'm going to pounce on you sure enough. Amen. I, I, I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to devour, and then I'm going to win. So you've got that angler fish mouth. And then there's another fish called a puffer fish. Huh? You know what they'll do? They'll get intimidated or whatever, and then they'll blow up. Y'all see them puffer fish? Any of y'all ever acted like one? You know, something goes wrong in your marriage, something goes wrong in your life or whatever, and your spouse, and, and then you just sort of blow up, and, and you don't want to say anything, you don't want to talk about anything, you just say, I want to keep my distance, and you maintain that truth. One-third of my words, I've already said them today, and I ain't talking to you. You want your marriage to get better? You have to pursue her with your words. Because Let me say, when people come to my office for marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling, they sit so close together you can't put a piece of paper between them. When they come back in two years for post-marriage counseling, the room ain't big enough, you know. One of them sits on this side, one of them sits on that side, you know. And, and you know, that's just how it is. But, but I, on the pre-marriage counseling, I always ask them, I give them 10 
uh, ten intimacy um, qualities that every, everybody's got some of these or, or really all of these. And, and they have to do with security and, um, you know, comfort and respect and on and on and on. And I ask each one what is their top three, and then I ask the spouse to guess the other uh, party to guess what their top three. Because the research says if you're ministering to the top three of our intimacy needs, you might not need comforting, you might not need security, but you need respect, whatever it is. And he said if you're meeting the top three, the other seven don't matter. And so I would submit to you, brothers, that some of us are working on seven, eight, and nine instead of one, two, and three. She could care less sometimes about the diamond ring, just wants to be, uh, feel secure, just wants to feel uh, loved, you know, and, and whatever it is. I should have brought that list of ten and put them out. So that, here, let me give you God's rules of engagement because we've got to have some rules or we're just going to devour everybody. Uh, James 1 and 19 says, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. In other words, and, and man, this, this one here gets me. You got to listen care fully, carefully. You got to listen care, and you got to care fully. Because you've listened before, and I've done it too, where we're trying to multitask, and we got six things going on, and this is just one more voice. Come on, don't act like it's just me. So, anyway, but you have to listen carefully. You know, and, and you, let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to just tell them myself. I get in a hurry sometime. No, I'm in a hurry most of the time. So we're packing for camp meeting, and uh, we're going to leave, and it don't start till 7 o'clock, and I tell my wife, listen, you could have gotten up at 4 a.m., and it wouldn't matter. We're still going to get there dead on time to start. Drives me nuts. Are y'all with me? And so, but anyway, this is me. So she had went through the closet, and she picked out all of my suits and all of my jeans and shirts and this and that and other. She had it all laying on the bed at hangers. All of her dress and all the stuff she's going to wear laying on the bed. And, and believe me, you go somewhere with a woman, man, for five days, I almost had to get a U-Haul. But anyway, so she made the statement when she's buzzing around and she's got this big flowery bag and that's where the shaving cream and all of this and the hair dryer and all, all goes in there and got this shoe bag, everything goes in here. And so she made this statement to me. She said, we're going to go eat. We're going to run back home, throw all of this in a suitcase, and go. I said, all right. Being the loving, devoted husband I am, while she was just doing whatever else, getting ready to go eat, I shimmied up into the attic. I got the largest suitcase I could find. I opened it up. I took all them hang-up clothes. <laughs> I stuffed them down in that suitcase. And she walked in the room. Are you crazy? I mean, have you lost your mind? And I mean, I don't know what fish it was, but she left blood in the water. I thought I was getting ahead of the game, man. I done went upstairs. I done, uh, in the attic, I got this thing. I throw it all in the suitcase. I was going to do exactly what she said. Throw everything in the suitcase. Let's go. What kind of idiot would throw hang-up clothes on a hanger in a suitcase. 
when we have a bar in the back of the Jeep to hang clothes on. I said, baby, we need to speak clearer to each other. She said, any fool would know you don't put clothes like that in a suitcase. That's a true story. It happened last week. I, I'm not kidding. And uh, so I took them all out, and by now I'm frustrated, man. They're coming off the hangers, sliding off, and, you know, we got to hang all these mountain of clothes back up again and then go hang them out in the Jeep and all that stuff. I, I just said, say this. I don't care how clear you think it is, ladies, because you're so bright. I mean, y'all so smart. You, sometimes you got to repeat. You know, if you ask something, if there's any doubt, maybe there wasn't no doubt in her mind. I just knew she, she had me rated a lot higher <laughs> academically than, than she should have. But nonetheless, the, you know, the deal is, is that I say what I want you to do, and then you repeat back what you understood. <laughs> and that will do the communication a world of good. Man, I need to hurry up. Uh, so God's rules of engagement, listen carefully. Guard your words faithfully. Listen, that, that your words are nuclear. We have a nuclear uh, power plant, Plant Vogel, and others around the, the state producing nuclear power. And it provides lights for us and energy, and that's wonderful. But you put nuclear power in the hands of the wrong man, like the nut job that runs North Korea. Kim Jong-un, I think they call it. Nonetheless, you put nuclear power in his hands, you could create a, a disaster uh, of biblical proportions. Our words are nuclear. You can say good things that build up and bring light to the marriage, or you could say things that are devastating and have fallout uh, that would look like Hiroshima and Nagasaki where stuff still won't grow from the atomic bomb that we dropped there. Every word we say has meaning. Listen, every word. So you got to handle your anger righteously. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 26, in your anger do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's what I was saying last week. Listen, I know it's 1130 when the fight started. It don't even get good till 1230. <laughs> Y'all with me? I mean, that's when you're opening that bottle of water and, you know, start wiping your head and just really... Uh, no, but you got to stay up and get it fixed. You cannot just keep on. Listen, you, you got to handle your anger righteously. Brothers, let me just say this. Before she was our wives, she was God's daughter. And you know, if you got a daughter, how many of you got a daughter? Let me see your hand. Come on. How do you take it when you hear somebody talking bad to your daughter? I don't take it good. Hello? I could go to jail for my actions if I see you abusing my daughter and be glad to, to be honest with you. The, the thing about it is, is we got to treat her with respect. She, and I know she's got to respect us. The Bible said it, that she see that she respects her husband. But listen, the Bible says, you know, there, there's everyone, Proverbs 29, 11, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now, excuse me, that's James 1 and 19. And then Proverbs 29 11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Uh, I'll try to, I'm going to say this and then we're going to close in a sort of a special way this morning. But, you know, we oftentimes we, we fight, we always fight face-to-face, -face, man. You know, we're looking and, you know, we're hurling the jab and the uppercut and body blows and whatever. 
But let, let me suggest to you that, that if we understand who it is that's coming against us, if we understand it's the devil that is fighting us, that we don't fight face-to-face anymore, that we pray together and then we turn back-to-back, uh, and I've got her back and she's got mine. And when the enemy comes in, we're looking and we're fighting to take care of this right here in the middle. We're fighting for each other and not fighting to devour each other. Here's, well, give the Lord praise. Let, let me say this. That there are people who say that we ought to fight to win. But I want to tell you this. We never confront people or we never confront our spouse to win. We confront them for healing. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. In fact, I'm going to ask every married couple that can, that will. Can I get every married couple to just come down right now as close as you can to the front and just, I know it's going to fill up, but uh, just come on in, come close to the stage, and uh, maybe have to go down the aisle some, that's fine. Just come right on in. Don't stop at the aisle so other people can get on in. Come on in, come on in, come on in. Well, we're, finally, brethren, he says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate, be humble, do not repay evil for evil, insult for insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Let me say this. Bad words are never worth it. Never call names. Now this one's hard for both. Never raise your voice. That's, that's tough. Here's another. Never get historical. Huh? Let me say this. Why is it that God can forgive you and I? I mean, both of us, he can forgive him and her but we can't forget it. We're going to use it as, we're going to reach back to the belt and pull that bullet of something historical, something that happened, some hurt, some anger, some, something that's supposed to have been forgiven a long time ago. Forget it. Never be historical. And never say never or always. <laughs> Hang on to this one. And in a fight, don't never, never, never quote your pastor. <laughs> and especially if your name is Kelly. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. While you're here right now, I want you to, uh, if you just sort of turn to look at one another like you did on the day you got married. I'm believing God to touch our marriages right now. And uh, so we've enlisted PJ to sing a song for us right now. And this is how we want to, uh, to end our service today. We're going to let him sing this song. We're going to pray for you. Be blessed.